1: All right, there is no way I'm going to wear a Hulk mask the entire show. Like, I would have done it, but it is ridiculously hot in here already. But hello, 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 and welcome back to Tango Alpha Lima Podcast. I am your host, Mark Seavey, Special Projects Council. I uh, now have to wear glasses because I'm so blind that my contacts, which are minus 11, which is ridiculous, I can't... Yeah. I can't.
0: I'm see. negative
2: ten fifty. Are you really? I wow. am. Where oh.
1: Yeah. So now, when nerdy. I wear my contacts, I can see a bird poop at hundred miles, but I can't read a computer screen.
2: You got a superpower, is what you have. Yeah,
1: it's it's awesome. <laughs> I always uh, tell I'm people dr- I can
2: see into the future.
3: I, I, you guys, you two make me feel like Superman because I'm like negative four or something.
1: I, like yeah. and I've been wearing negative nine contacts, so it was like, yeah, that might be the explanation for my headaches. Anyway, I am joined as always by my co-host Ashley Gerbolja Maldonado from DC. Hello, Ashley, and she is going to be in rare form today, so I am really looking forward to it. Usually, Ashley, for those who uh, who don't get the uh, the beauty that is Ashley after a show when she gets fired up it is spectacular so uh and also we have jeff out in la by way of michigan and i'm already being yelled at by holly for moving in my chair but you know what don't get me a squeaky chair uh so jeff i'm gonna actually start with you because right before we came on i was reading science magazine and it was saying that the threat of the san andreas fault has been quadrupled here recently due to earthquakes in the area. And I know I know you felt one of them because it was on your Facebook. So what's the bigger concern, though? The earthquakes in the San Andreas Fault going or the ensuing tsunami? And would you consider wearing floaties like 24-7,
3: no matter what you do? Okay, you were talking about your eyes. Are those the floaties you're talking about, are you talking about swimming? No, you know, like the floaties. So just <laughs> when the...
1: 100-foot wall of water strikes your apartment,
3: you won't... All right, so you do, you know that I'm from Michigan, which is tectonically stable. Yes, and it is. And we have all kinds of weather. We have... we have. If you have tornadoes, you hit the low ground. If there's flooding, you hit the high ground. In California, the ground frickin' betrays you. There's nothing you can do. There's no warning about it. I keep U-Haul on speed dial because the, the first big one that I feel, I'm probably going to be, you know piece out of here. What? And I I've, I've heard that uh, San Andreas story the last time we got one and you know and it's amazing how people don't people don't know about plate tectonics like no all these little ones mean that the pressure is going to be released and yeah like if that is on the fault on the exact fault but if it's on faults surrounding the big fault you can actually be sending plates to add more pressure. So it's it's gonna suck, and this week I'm just worried about the 100 plus degree heat every day. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, kind of terrible.
1: Well, I mean, there's only so many places you can go anyway because the Yellowstone supervolcano is gonna go sooner or later. So your options are
3: pretty limited. Right. And if you're if you're playing bingo, I mean, if I go back to Michigan, I'm dangerously close to Ohio, which is just
1: dangerously. And can you imagine if like all the ash lands in Ohio and so they all move to Michigan?
2: Oh, Oh. man. Oh,
3: no. You
2: know what? The safest place to be is the Midwest. I'm just going to throw that out there. okay? you're going to get me fired up and it's too soon. But I'm literally looking at a tectonic map right now and you are on the ring of fire, my friend. Yeah, you're gonna feel my fire, and frankly, I'd rather be close to you know the you know one percent of natural you know water that's drinkable. So you know I got that going for me. So keep poo pooing on Ohio, Michigan, man. So we're gonna see what happens because you might be able to catch a flight quick enough to escape your. Well,
3: she is so she's so fired up. She's missing facts. Michigan (laughs) is bordered by twenty percent of the Earth's. Yeah, I know. are you really
2: gonna go back? Because I don't know.
1: I, th- I mean, they th- love me. There, will you? I did will watch you? the. I did watch a cool mm-hmm. special about Ohio where they had that uh, mm-hmm. that ice tsunami thing that struck Ohio a couple of years ago. Do you remember that? Where ice had oh, formed a on polar the polar vortex. Well, the ice had formed on the lake and then it melted, but the wind picked up and so it pushed all the ice up onto shore and it didn't have anywhere to go, so it kept pushing further and further and it like destroyed all these houses. It was awesome if you get a chance look it up i I literally can't remember the name but it's like a Mm -hmm. a tsunami of ice and it it moves you could outrun it but you can't move your house out of it like it is and it just wiped the area out it's pretty pretty cool all right we are going to start uh on topic one here with an article from the hill newspaper and i wanted to talk about it because uh, everyone, it comes up literally every year. Every year, someone either blames it on the president or the Congress when it's neither of them is involved. But the article is, uh, Trump says he has rejected Pentagon proposal to slash military health care. President Trump said Monday night that he rejected a proposal from the Pentagon to cut military health care by 2.2 billion during the pandemic. The president tweeted this rebuke hours after Politico reported that the Department of Defense officials We're suggesting cutting health care over the next five years as part of Secretary Mark Esper's cost-cutting initiatives. Quote, A proposal by Pentagon officials to slash military health care by $2.2 billion has been firmly and totally rejected by me, Trump tweeted. We will do nothing to hurt our great military professionals and heroes as long as I am your president. Thank you. This literally comes up every single year. And every single year, people panic about it or blame the president usually the president here actually I think did the right thing by tweeting right out right out of the gate it's saying happening which is the same thing every previous president has said but this measure has been the Pentagon has been pushing this for at least the 20 years I've been working here and every year it gets rejected but so if there are people out there making hay out of this uh, Pentagon proposals slash military health care, just don't buy it. Jeff, what do you got on this story?
3: Well, since we're going to bypass all the political stuff, I'm wondering what's going on in the Pentagon that they think that this is okay. Now, I will, I'm will i going to go out and, and say something, hope we don't have to edit it out, but I'd say if you want to cut some of the health care, why don't we get better body armor for the Marine Corps, who is grossly underfunded and people have to uh, kind of buy some of that stuff themselves, which is really, really... Really sad, but uh, I I don't like the idea that it is the Pentagon who should be advocating for its members that are uh, you know offering up these cuts as a way to save money. So get away from Congress and the president that just gets involved in you know partisan sparring. I I want to know the mindset behind and I'd love to hear somebody testify as to why they think bringing this up as you said every year is a good idea part of me thinks that what they're trying to say is you're trying to cut our budgets this is this is the grim reality of trying to cut our budgets and get getting ahead of it on a PR stance so that their budgets don't get cut that's kind of yeah. where I think that comes from
1: Ashley
2: I just There's a lot of politics at play every time they make these decisions, and I have to agree with Jeff, because as you look at this big picture, I'm thinking to myself, like, every time you say you're going to cut something, like, something else gets cut from somewhere else, or if we're going to add dollars to a certain area, something else suffers. So it's always give and take, and there's always someone behind behind the, you know, curtain kind of pulling the strings as to where money flows, so... Yeah, I'm I'm happy to hear that $2.2 billion in military health is, you know, going to remain, right? But, you know.
1: I yeah, know. I, th- I think what happens is when the DOD decides they're going to make their budget, and everyone's, you know, across all the different agencies, they're like, oh, we, we we're submitting a lower budget, we're trying to save money. So they throw out something that's completely unpalatable to anyone, like, if they had said, we're going to cut $2.2 billion from, you know, some aircraft or something else, that might be palatable to a um, They throw this one out, $2.2 billion out of healthcare. There's no one's going to buy off on this. So it's going to get axed. And then the Pentagon could say, well, we tried to lower the budget. You know, we gave you mm-hmm. alternatives. And at the end of the day, no accountability. No one bothers to look at anything, you know, we... We still pay defense contractors, even when they're behind schedule or when their product stinks or anything else, we pay all that. But if you try to break, if you try to throw that into the budget where we're all right, we're going to spend less on the littoral combat ship. Then the defense contractors like, Hey, wait a minute. We already said that. And Congress might very well cut those things, but instead they talk about cutting this or cutting the a 10, which is a, as far as I'm concerned, one of the best aircraft that's ever been made. But I don't know, crazy, 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 crazy.
3: I think what what else is interesting about this story is it woke the beard up. We talked about Ashley getting feisty, and boy, you're already revved up now. We got to oh, catch up. To-
1: that's why I got the I got the Hulk mask. It's been a so yeah, the, go behind the scenes. Here's what's going on. Like you know, I have, as everybody knows, I have a five-year-old daughter and twin three-year-old boys. And my daughter has been going to school Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and she goes in the morning. And now my one son, who is not quite as verbal as he should be, so he's he got into a developmental preschool where he can play and learn to talk and everything, and they decided to put him in the afternoon session, which is in the middle of his nap. So now the three-year-old does not get a nap, and then he comes home and he hasn't slept so he's cranky and in the morning like this morning i left the house at i think 8 15. he had his shoes and his backpack on and he was like school 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 doesn't start for another four hours and the kid's standing there at the door so not a happy time at casa de Civi. so ergo the hulk mask you would not like me when i'm angry this is angry man stupid brownburg schools put him in the afternoon Or put them in the morning. I
3: love it when you're angry.
1: This is amazing. Ah, it's it's been a day. It's been a day and a half already. Has
2: your school district gone to the AB? Are they doing like AB classes, partial hybrids? Uh, My sister-in-law is a school psychologist. My other sister-in-law is trying to get into the school system. And like, there's just been an interesting... I would say unorthodox pattern in which school districts are determining what works best for them. So like one that borders each other very completely different. Like it's just been a bizarre thing to,
1: well, we didn't even know he was get we, he, we didn't know if he was getting into school. They didn't tell us for the longest time. And then they're like, okay, we're going to, we're going to have a meeting with you on Friday to tell you about his stuff. And it was like, okay, great. And then Thursday they're like, get online tonight and meet his teachers. And it was like, but you didn't tell us he got in. All right. Like, the whole thing has been cockamamie. Right. I mean, I feel for the teachers. They don't know what's going on any more than we do. Yeah. And I asked my son what he did, and he, you know, he's, he's got markers all over his face, and he's like, I played with blocks. It's like, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's not like I was expecting him to come home fluent in trigonometry at age three, but, like, at the same time, like – but his teachers are like, yeah, he uh, during recess, he went over into a corner and curled up and went to sleep. And I was like, then I got mad at him because it's like, I can't go to sleep unless I go through, like, you know, yoga, horse tranquilizers. Namaste. I have to listen to books on audio, like, and then I have to get my heartbeat at the right pace. Like, it takes an act of Congress to get me to sleep. And this kid walks over into the corner during a recess, lays down to go to sleep, like. I, I I don't like my kid right now. I just I I I, I don't like him. Like we have that How on dare you? How dare day. you? How dare you flaunt your ability to go to sleep so easily? Ah, yes. Real yeah. fired up. No, I do. It's nap my, time. I do love my son. It is nap time. I'd love to take one. I'd I,
2: love to take a nap too. I'm gonna second that. I
1: I, I can't. I close. If we don't get off this.
2: <laughs> Just watch me start to fade in the background right,
1: Let's let's start talking about Lord of the Rings and then watch Jeff take a nap
2: Yeah we can get you to go to sleep Real quick bud don't challenge All right.
1: Well let's take a quick break To uh, pay the bills and we will be back With you guys in a second
0: So you were discharged with a 20% disability rating But now you can't hear so well and need help Contact an American Legion Service officer Service officers are free of charge, and they help all veterans. Find one near you with our online tool at legion.org forward slash service officers.
1: All right, we are back. Jeff napped the whole time we were gone. a great little siesta for him. Uh, Ashley, let's go to you for topic number two.
2: Awesome. Awesome. So this is an article that we found out on military.com and it's entitled the rise of female commanders in combat arms. And it's very, um, it's, it's a good timing because we just had Amanda Huffman on from the women in military podcast. And we had had a similar conversation about women in combat roles and how in past they were just kind of cued in as attachments. And that's how we were kind of like doing this weird funky experiment that the military loves to do. Right. But in a lot of these ways, women have already been in these roles, or they've been attached to, um, you know, combat arms in some way, shape, and form. So regardless, you know, the Army has been slowly integrating women to ground combat since uh, DOD opened all military jobs to the troops in 2015. So essentially, like, the Initiative garnered a good amount of, you know, media attention, and there's been a lot of female first or, you know, women veteran first. Um, throughout the force. Um, I myself love to share these stories. I think it's incredibly empowering and one day I hope that my posts even on like from a social front when we see stories like this it It's normalized right like oh, that's cool. Awesome Right, so um, Now for about five years uh, women have expanded their footprint in combat arms and are taking command of units that have been exclusively male for centuries uh, so for example, um, Captain Candace Bowen took command of Bravo Company 3rd Battalion, 116th Infantry Regiment, 116th uh, Infantry uh, Brigade Combat Team last month. So she is one of the first black women to command um, a rifle company in the National Guard and the first field inf- infantry commander in Virginia. That company's history traces back to Confederate General Stonewall Jackson's Brigade. So if you think about the milestones that are being hit right now, it's obviously it's, you're, you're garnering a lot of positive media attention about this, um, and we're really looking at you know gender integration into combat arms uh, since it's really been kicked off since August of 2015 when, for example, Captain uh, Kristen Greyston uh, Shea Haver became the first woman to graduate Ranger School, which is again one of the more or most grueling military courses in the world. So. I believe Greece, she, uh, Grice, excuse me, <laughs> Greece, Grice. <laughs> She's super high speed. She just became, uh, the army's first female infantry officer, or was, or I'm, became, just, I'm just, right?
1: la- I'm just laughing at Jeff's face when you said Ranger oh, School like, was one of the toughest because he's like, eh, I don't know, I, it's, you know. yeah,
2: all right, yeah, okay, says the Marine. So Javier, she, or Haver, Haver, I don't know why I'm saying these so poorly today. I'm dyslexic for the group, and I am not doing hot today. So. <laughs> Uh, She ended up taking command of a rifle company at the 82nd Airborne Division in 2018, and she uh, has been since promoted to major. So I just want to give a shout out to all my lady vets out there who are, you know, serving or who have trailblazed and did not receive all of the due credit for making these opportunities open um, to the next wave of of women. So that's, that's what I've got.
1: I'm gonna pitch in on that one first, and there's a reason. The unit that she took over, Bravo Company, Third Battalion, One Hundred Sixteenth Infantry Division, out of Woodstock, Virginia, happens to have been the unit that I served in in Afghanistan. Oh, so nice. she would, uh, she is the new company commander to the company. Uh, interestingly, the company commander right before her, I believe, there may have been one in between, was a PFC in my platoon when we went to Afghanistan really? and fast forward 15 years, he was the company commander of the same unit. So I went into that unit as an E five. I spent eight years there. I came out of that unit as an E five with no, no good conduct metal. So, now it, uh, it's a, it's a great unit for those. Uh, the It's in Woodstock, Virginia, which is kind of uh, a little bit in the boondocks it's out in the Shenandoahs and that unit um, was pretty special because I know that when we went to Afghanistan the enlisted infantrymen in that unit probably averaged two to three years of college like I had I had a law degree uh, one of my one of our Alpha team leaders uh, had a master's degree from Georgetown and worked as a GS 16 at the pentagon in g2 i had a russian linguist uh that had that's now a phd uh, student i mean that unit was really strack because of where it's located being outside dc but it has units in leesburg but yeah bravo company third of the 116th is my old unit so that actually is what stood out to me when i read the article the first couple times i saw it, i was like oh that's, that's nice but i didn't actually read the article now i got around to reading, and i was like Hey, wait a minute. That's, oh, that's, that's my unit. I, I know those right. guys. So, uh, kind of cool. Jeff. Yeah.
2: Oh, go ahead. Jeff.
3: So, uh, so the, obviously I found the, I found a lot of new information in reading that article and, uh, some of the information is, it seems as though th- that we're kind of coming around to changing some of the, you know, the old ways of the military and, some of the challenges though with, with just putting out raw numbers is, and they kind of address it, and the issue is recruiting now needs to step up. I, I saw the number of total, I don't recall the exact number, the total number of women like in the Marine Corps in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, no pun intended with the general, but the uh, the numbers are so low I think if every woman in the Marine Corps became an officer, there'd be less officers in the Marine Corps that were women than there are men. So the the and I'm talking all women right. Oh yeah, so totally. I, so I think the I think what's got to happen now is the recruiting just has to go up, and some of that's going to have some of that's going to deal with the images that we portray, right? So it's. I don't see, I don't see the number of, I don't see the number of women, uh, women taking command of combat, um, uh, units going up in the very near future, just because there aren't enough of them. It's just, you, you, you can't compete with physics. You can't compete with, with math and the math here says that if every woman officer decided to be in combat tomorrow uh-huh. and, and, and. And let's just say I don't know the percentages of people who are suited for that kind of leadership role. Let's just say all of them were suited for that kind of leadership role. Then it still wouldn't it still wouldn't look equitable under specific optics. So I, I think we just have to. And I don't know how to make the military more uh, palatable to. To prospective females who would actually be qualified, were smart enough, and all of that, all that sort of thing. We have that problem in the military right. in general, just getting enough qualified people. But I don't, right. I don't know that, how do we, how do we, re, how do we increase recruiting to get the best people in these places? Absolutely. That's a, that's a, that's a question we're gonna have to ask next. But I'm glad to see that the mindset is there, and then the opportunities are there. Because you sure. can't sell mm-hmm. something. You can't sell something that doesn't exist. At least now they can sell if they right. have this opportunity to be Lara Croft.
2: And I yeah, think you they- bring up a, a good point because, you know, the Army found that only a, a tiny fraction of, of women officers, uh, you know, and NCOs are interested in joining the inf- infantry and armor fields, right? So depending on where you're at in your career, your your skill level, like, do you want to be in that leadership capacity, right? So, like, now you're, you're starting to, like, comb through folks that have have all the boxes checked in order to you know take this leap or be a first of first or you know step into an infantry or armor leadership role and the numbers that you were referring to um, that you couldn't think of for the Marine Corps so it's not only did they have the fewest number of women uh, with eight percent enlisted and it's nine percent officers whereas the army, I believe it's it's 14 percent, are, I'm trying to think, Um, I think it's 14% for army enlisted and 19% for um, its officer corps. And then if you look at like the guard and reserve components, uh, I don't know what that split is, but women are in that higher than the active duty number, if I'm not mistaken. Don't quote me. I'd have to look at it. But it's interesting, you know, it's just the army, for example, is just predominantly male. And again, like, um, I think what was really interesting too is I really liked – The article had put in as the policy shifts, you know, companies are being required to have, uh, you know, women who are in the E-5 ranks, so non-commissioned officer ranks, for any of the military jobs to be in that unit before junior enlisted women can join the ranks. And I love that because as you have women who have these different experiences and now they're in leadership roles, they can set that bar, set that standard, right, instead of, you know, throwing junior enlisted in just kind of blind without having someone to look up to. Right, so they're, they're starting to think about this more and more. Uh, you know, I I come from a military you know police background. Um, there were seldom and few women who were uh, non commissioned officers. I I knew like I knew two women who were E sixes, um, which is a staff sergeant. And I was grateful enough to have like maybe one or two sprinkled through when I moved, got moved over to a different platoon. I was the only female NCO. that entire platoon and like i had my battles right but it gave the junior enlisted an outlet and they had someone to report up to with their concerns right so i'm really happy to see that they're doing that i
1: love i love the infantry and and i never would have ever joined anything other than the infantry like from minute one i wanted to be infantry but there's really no good selling point on the infantry other than you get to go and do really bad things. Like, nobody wants to go into a job where you're in the cold and in the snow and you're outside all the time. It Being an infantry just kind of sucks. And the only people who join the infantry are like, make it suck more. Like, I want it to suck as much as humanly possible. And it takes a special breed of stupid, like I am, to really want to go through the infantry. And I, I, I tend to think women are smarter than us guys. And maybe they're looking at it and they're like, do I really want to spend the best part of my life living outside, digging a hole? <laughs> you know, it's it's a tough hurdle for me mentally to overcome. I applaud like the the young ladies who graduated ranger school, man, bless you. Good good on you. Like if you're if you're interested in one meal a day and four hours of sleep more power to you. It's just, you know, that day has passed me by, but I wanted that at one point too. And I I think it's great. The more, the more, the better.
2: I will say there's uh there's 680 enlisted women in the active army serving in infantry tankers and calf scouts and 260 officers. Um, there's what, 55,000 enlisted men in the infantry and 7,000 officers on the armor and cavalry side. Um, there are 18,000 male enlisted with 3,000 officers, according to most recent data, Department of Defense. The numbers are much smaller in the National Guard, so you're looking at uh, 37 enlisted infantry when uh, women out of like the 28,000, and then you've got 11 uh, cav scouts out of uh, the like 4,800 and some odd men, and then you've got eight tank eight tankers out of uh, 1,600 men, and none of no women are serving in mortars. Uh, where there are about what two thousand, almost three thousand men, uh, the Guard has twenty-six female infantry officers out of like the uh, 3,500 men. There's twenty-two armor and cavalry officers out of uh, eleven 1, hundred men, according to the National Guard Bureau. I found it. Facts drop in knowledge bombs, people.
1: That's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna save my cav scout hatred for another day.
2: But, <laughs>
1: That was just so
3: many numbers about the Army that I <laughs> never knew School. or will remember in five minutes.
2: That's okay. That's all right.
1: Yeah. So, All right, Jeffrey. Well, now you are up, man. Talk to us. Jeff who? You.
3: Jeffrey? I don't know him. All right. So <laughs> we, have, we have a cool history with watching things that come up on streaming networks, and particularly our love affair with Space Force. Uh, and we made a lot of fun of space force this this show came on and I, I thought i would watch it and i knew going in that a lot of it would be very political and so i just kind of just watched it and kept a kept a good healthy distance from it while watching it until one episode came up and what's the, the show name, was famous yeah i'm getting there
1: oh i'm sorry I, you know Look, i got notes yeah, I know. Ooh. But you didn't send them to me, so I Whoa. don't know. I mean, it's good. We could go yeah, anywhere here. If it's mother babies, are- I got you covered. <laughs> they are
3: fucking scene, sir. So if the show is called Immigration Nation, and the episode that I'm talking about is it features the story of a deported Marine veteran named Cesar Lopez. Now, this this man's life is just uh, it's crazy to me, and I don't even know. I didn't even get they didn't even really get into his combat experience which he does have but he was brought to the US by his parents at four years of age after graduating high school he served in the United States Marine Corps after getting out of the Marine Corps at some point he got arrested with marijuana in New Mexico he took a plea deal at the at the advice of his lawyers so he would spend no jail time pay a little fine and it wouldn't show up on his record but oh That last part is super important because the not showing up on your record is reserved for U.S. citizens only, which he had not yet become. So it did show up on his record. He didn't know that. It kept going on about his life. For a business thing, he had to go out of the country, and when he came back in, that came up. They wouldn't let him in. They deported him to Mexico, where he hadn't been since four years old, has no ties or anything, and he he couldn't. He couldn't legally get back in but he he illegally or undocumentedly said i'm going home and he came home and he's been he had been on a fight uh, he had been in a fight to get not only get a citizen but first to get undeported and to be redocumented again Uh, to do that he needed to get for a marijuana possession charge he needed to get the governor of a state he doesn't live in to pardon him for that really old, very minor crime. And if you can imagine the logistics of trying to. No! Whoa! <laughs> Bingo! Oh. Card. <laughs> Bingo cards, my friends, there was a dog. So if you can imagine the logistics of trying to get to a governor of a state and ask them to pardon you for a All really right. small crime, uh, it All was right. very difficult for him. And spoiler, I think. It's after the show he did finally get it and I'm sure having a Netflix camera crew helps with that <laughs> so the, the cool part is the American Legion has not one but two two different resolutions that deal with military related folks and uh, citizenship and these were both in 2018 resolution number five, or sorry resolution number 10 is the, the more pointed one here it's for expedited citizen applications for deported veterans. And so it's it's good to see that the American Legion is looking out for those who served and served honorably and served valiantly and to get them the kind of respect that I, to a country that that the country says, you're not one of us, but the veteran says, but I'm one of you. So I'm glad to see that the American Legion is standing up for those people. And I can see that Ashley's still super distracted with her (laughs) publishing. I
1: I just did want to read the uh, resolved clause on that uh, resolution that Jeff mentioned. But the American Legion urges Congress to enact legislation to permit the granting of citizenship to deported veterans if their discharge is honorable and they do not have a felony conviction. And obviously... Uh, marijuana possession, not a felony unless he had a lot more than I, than I think he had. So, uh, that, that's (laughs) what did, so the, did the governor actually grant him a,
3: this story uh, was, this story was the first story that I saw that mentioned that the the series ended without resolution to this issue. But also this story said that he joined the United States Army as a Marine. So I got to do some fact checking.
1: <laughs> so I, I, uh, I once testified before Congress on uh, expedited citizenship for people serving in the military. So you would think, right, if uh, someone comes over from Mexico like this guy and the, the biggest problem we had was Marine Corps and the Navy, Guys or girls would go into the Navy thinking that, okay, I'm going to get my citizenship. And so INS would say, okay, we'll, we'll expedite your citizenship. You need to do these things. The problem is that military people, particularly in the Navy and the Marine Corps, move around a lot. And so the mail from INS would go to where they weren't there anymore. And so the person would call back and say, hey, I never got my paperwork to do this. And they say, oh, we sent it to the other address, so we, we canceled your application. So then the person would put in again for citizenship, and it would get punted again because they would end up moving TDY to somewhere else. And so the mail never caught up to them. Then once they got out of the military and they were trying to become citizens, they're like, well, why didn't you do it when you were in the military? As if you have... Nothing but time on your hands, and you're in the same place the whole time. It's really insane to me how much they go through. Like, if you have to to get into the military, they're doing a background check anyway. And if the person's willing to serve in the military, I, I, I was flummoxed by it. And it a lot of it is literally there's no bad guy per se in this. It's just a matter of the reality of life is the INS gets the application, and they're like, okay, we need these things. But by the time they tell you we need these things, you're off somewhere else. You're out in Okinawa. And then they send the mail to Okinawa, and by that point you're back in San Diego. So it never caught up to people. And then a lot of people, for reasons that still don't aren't entirely clear to me, think that if you go into the military, your citizenship is automatically granted. Clearly it's not. And I will say that the DOD has been much, much better about this of late than they were before. But it's still just... I mean, a a minor pot charge keeping you out of the country. I mean, that's that's crazy, like, especially when you haven't been in that country since you were four. That makes it a little difficult to to get around. I would think Ashley, what do you got on this one?
2: I'm sorry about my dogs.
1: Uh Oh, Uh oh, we lost Ashley.
2: I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry Uh about my dogs. (laughs) I had to I had to do a courtesy uh, mute while my dogs were losing their everlasting minds chasing the front door back and running and literally slamming into the glass door in the back. I don't even know what they knocked over, so there's there's gonna be good stuff after I'm done here today. So I, I yield my time, gentlemen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Ashley has chosen to yield back her time. So we will take this opportunity to go to another ad break and we will see you guys back here in just a minute.
0: Did you know the American Legion magazine is the most frequently read periodical in the nation? True story. Find out why by joining today at legion.org forward slash join.
1: All right, we are back here and we have one, two, and three, we've got, well, we got four, I guess. So, rapid fire number one. Here's a task and purpose article. Special Operations Command didn't consistently document whether more than $800 million in gear met key performance metrics or not. And the basic gist of this one, uh, U.S. Special Operations Command over two years failed to adequately track whether hundreds of millions of dollars in specialized equipment fully met the key performance metrics for the special operations who was fielding it. And they're talking about some of the the audit covered ten of SOCOM's most expensive programs, uh, totaling more than 1.4 billion. All right, so we've they got 1.4 billion, and we already talked about the 2.2 billion they want to cut out of medical. But anyway, these things w- include the AC-130 Ghost Rider Precision Strike Package modification, the know, that does, uh, wearable tactical local area network. The field computing device, small glide munitions, and non-standard commercial non-standard commercial vehicle.
3: Wow. I just I figured hope... out to some
1: months. <laughs> you you think... That's gotta be like some sort of Mad Max Dune buggy, doesn't it? I I guess. Non-standard commercial vehicle. I don't know what that means.
2: I, I'm like, I literally am trying to like Google some of these one. It's like when they give you the, like the NS number and the non-Columbus, they're like, Oh yeah, read this off. When they give you your coffin box of gear and you're just like reading (laughs) everything out and you're hoping that like you have everything and your supplies like, "Uh Oh,
1: I remember we used to get picturing. We we would get stuff with like holes in it and everything else from CIF, the central issue. You'd get all this crap. And then the minute we deployed, it was like a candy store. They were handing you all these new things you've never seen before. And you're like, oh, man, this is the greatest thing. Meanwhile, these SF guys probably have every toy known to mankind. And apparently they weren't reporting back on whether any of it worked.
2: Hmm. Hmm. (laughs) Probably didn't take it out of the plastic bag. (laughs) Well, I mean... I knew some soldiers like that. They were were giving them, like, these... uh, outdated chem boots and i remember we would have to like bring things back (sighs) they would have to like remember when they gave out like the big plastic totes i I had soldiers and like of course these are like my non-commissioned officers they would come in with these big plastic totes because they were like oh we're like you know we're taking that We're i don't know what the heck the the verbiage was on that but they were just like yeah we're i
1: used to i (laughs) I used to love those nbc boots because i remember they would hand them to me and i'd be like dude these are size eight and like yeah i wear a size 13 like, how exactly is this going to be of use to me? And they're like, "Well, wow, th- that's all we have." It's like and so now I ha- have to yeah. that. Now I have to carry around rubber boots that are literally five sizes too small for me. That doesn't seem like a really appropriate. And then when you take them back to CIF, they're like, "Oh, these are these are oh, dirty. We can't are take dirty. these Go back. Go clean these again." Like, are you kidding me? Like this, it's still in the plastic it came in, dude. How can it be dirty? I don't know. What do you? Marine Corps doesn't have CIF, right? What do they have? Where they issue your gear?
3: Oh, oh,
1: What's that? Supply this is just supply. Because we, we had CIF, it was like you had to go and it had these like lines, and you stood in the line, you held your bag out, and they put like two gloves in it, and then you moved to the next thing. But it was called CIF. I think it was Central Issue
3: Facility, or I can't remember. You also have to remember, I was admin in an infantry unit. So basically this process you're talking about, I might as well have been in the Air Force. They just brought me things. Yeah. Uh, just- <laughs> All
1: I remember was them complaining about everything you brought back. And it was like, oh, well, this, you, you got to go scrub this. And it's like, scrub it. It, it. It's literally in the packaging it came in, dude. There's nothing yeah. to scrub. Uh, if, if you missed out on the droids of cif
2: so fun thing i found that purpose build that non-standard commercial vehicle it's literally like i just found a slide which is some total opsec kind of stuff but it's like modifications to this toyota and ford vehicles it's literally 360 armor and it's got like a bunch of integration off-road suspension like it's it's just like a doped out truck <laughs> <laughs> it's real so- basic <laughs>
1: it's, it's like what everyone owns in Louisiana probably. It's <laughs> same exact thing.
2: It's 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 like a little Toyota truck. Slash whatever other brand they're using. Well, I I'm,
1: I'm glad they spent that much money. Like it, if at least it was a tricked out Dune buggy, I'd be like, that's kinda cool. Yeah. But the fact that SOCOM can't account for it is spectacular. That's that's
2: Am I surprised? No. No. Those no,
1: that's, that's <laughs> Plus, those SF guys will steal anything that's not nailed down, and half of the things that are nailed down. That's why they're SF. They're great at that stuff. But the fact that they're not reporting it, spectacular. All right, rapid fire number two. Wait, Uh, rapid what? What kind of fire? Allegedly rapid fire. It won't be all that rapid. This was a a troubling story here. Uh, Military Times No coalition casualties as U.S. troops and Syrian defense forces returned fire on pro-Syrian regime forces in Syria. So U.S. troops and Syrian Syrian Democratic forces exchanged fire with pro-Syrian regime troops Monday, but there were no casualties. And here's a quote. After receiving safe passage from pro-regime forces, the patrol came under small arms fire from individuals in the vicinity of the checkpoint, According to a media release from the combined joint task force operation Inherent Resolve, Coalition forces returned fire in self defense. The coalition did not conduct an airstrike. No coalition casualties occurred. Coalition returned to base. Incidents under investigation. That's troubling, is it not?
3: Uh yeah. <laughs> but it's it's a the silver lining here is that people need more training if there were no casualties. So, uh, the,
2: oh yeah, uh, it's a bittersweet comment. Yeah,
3: right. I mean, it's it's uh, everything. Every it seems like everything in every situation and scenario that we find ourselves in is is always just this close. Yeah, to just I mean, always every second of every day is this close to going yeah. zero to a hundred.
1: I what what would happen if they if they you know if they were like hey we're taking fire, and they called in close air support and whacked a bunch of these guys, it could be full it could be full on conflagration right now. I, I don't know, it's a that's. Can crazy, I just say
2: crazy. the the power of Twitter really quick? Because in this article it literally shows the OIR spokesman and it's got like the full tweet and then it has like a picture of the the full statement like. What did we do? Like, I don't even know. What did we do before social media, right? Like, right. nobody would have known, right? I'm just like, this is so transparent, but also slightly alarming from an OPSEC standpoint. Yeah. Just just throwing that out there. You know, wow, you guys you are too young to briefs.
1: go for one. We had to wait until that guy took the podium. We'd see all the... We'd see all the video of bombs falling, and then, what was it, Pete Williams or whatever that guy's name was? I can't remember. Pentagon spokesperson would get up there and talk for, like, two hours, and everybody would listen. Now you just go to Twitter, I guess. You find out just about anything. I don't know. Let's hope that one stays safe. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, here we go, Jeff. Rapid Fire 3, Stripes article. Space Force units are already operating worldwide, and experts expect more to pop up soon. Uh, now... I'm not going to read the whole article. You can go and find this article, but the one part that I did find interesting was that one of the sites is Thule Greenland, which I have had the pleasure of going to Thule Greenland, and if you ever get a chance, which it's very unlikely, but Thule Greenland is so far north that you can't see this, you can't see the northern lights because they're out of the horizon to the south. So there was about yeah about every half mile or so there's a little block house of concrete with a heater and food in it and the reason for it is polar bears when polar bears come onto the base they're not allowed to kill the polar bears so everyone holes up in these little concrete boxes with heaters and stuff like tule green is a wild place but they one of the things they had there um and I can't remember the exact title of them. Oh, here we go. It's the 12th Space Warning Squadron at Thule Air Base. Those get it is awesome because it's probably two or three miles off the base. And like the vehicles, you have to keep the vehicles plugged into an electric socket because otherwise the vehicle will freeze solid. But every morning when I would walk to the chow hall, which was about a hundred yards, my beard would freeze solid. And I would stand there and pick, like, icicles out of my beard while I was waiting for breakfast. So Thule Greenland is wild. Greatest party I've ever been to, Thule Greenland. They had a Danish punk band that was playing up there. They I went up there. It was They had what was called the First Light Celebration. So Thule doesn't get any sunlight for four months. And then on the first day of sunlight, the sun is up for exactly six minutes. It just goes bloop, and that's it. So, on that six minutes, all of them go outside in like shorts and Hawaiian shirts in minus 57 degree weather and they celebrate the return of the sun and then they have a huge party. So, now Space Force is having this party with the Greenlanders and the Danish and whoever else. So, I have space have so many Force.
2: questions. I have so many questions for a rapid fire segment. This is not fair. <laughs> this is not fair.
3: You take it to the comment section. <laughs> <laughs> and engage engage with your
1: actually I need to say I should I should hook us up with a trip to uh to Greenland.
3: It,
2: cool. It, it, I'm it down.
1: Was, I mean, there's a little hotel there. I I uh I will admit that it was the most hungover I've ever been in my entire life, the f- day after that party. And I was laying in bed and I could not find the remote and the TV was stuck on what was called the Westerns channel. And it was the Big Lebowski, and it played ten times, back that's to great. back to back to back to back. And because wow. I couldn't find the remote, it's like being I watched. on a cruise ship circuit where they just play the, the same movies. I watched the Big Lebowski ten times while I prayed for death in North of the Arctic Circle. Wow! Spectacular place. I, I don't know where the rest of that was going, but that's Space Force.
3: God bless them.
2: And and that's rapid fire, folks. Wow. <laughs> we're back to the,
3: the. We're back to Space Force, which brought it up. Uh, uh, yeah. it does, uh, Greenland, Greenland has more things to do there than Los Angeles does right now. Uh,
1: uh, Tule Greenland had a Irish pub, which was fairly nice. It had a bowling alley. Um, that was about it. There wasn't a lot to do in Tule, but it was pretty neat because they uh, they have these. Tule Greenland is exactly halfway between Washington, D.C. and Moscow. So back in the 50s, they had built these missile silos there to shoot down incoming missiles. But what happened was they closed them all down. And they're in those, you know, the bunkers where the door opens at the top and then the missile comes out. Well, the, the gasket, the rubber gasket on these doors has broken over the years. And so water is seeped in. Well, you can go into these missile silos, but there's like 10 feet of ice. So you're standing on the ice in this room and you can see the computers and the tables and the chairs down below you in the ice. It's like a really cool time capsule type thing. So I could go on about Thule wow. forever, but
3: yeah. You, you already did, sir. You already did. I, I, I
1: already did, did. I did. I did. All right. One last thing here. Uh, U.S. intelligence is suggesting that iran paid bounties to the taliban for targeting american troops it just seems like yesterday we were talking about the russians doing it and now the iranians jeff what do you got on this one
2: wow Mm.
3: that was that was not me fyi i was not the one (laughs) send your hate mail to ash nap
2: time no i'm just kidding
3: i think that i think i think it's interesting that we get outrage depending on who's paying who, because everybody, everybody funds somebody else to do some of their dirty work. Right. And uh, I guess it was a little outrageous because we try to pretend that Russia is our ally sometimes. So that, 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 that seemed a little more outrageous. Plus, um, you know, we have other ongoing beef with them. Uh, Iran? I would be shocked if I if the story came out that they didn't do that. They they are they have money. They have uh, they don't want to have to do all the dirty work themselves. They sh- they don't feel like they have to. I'm that doesn't shock me at all. And I would wonder what our I don't know what our response is going to be, but I'm going to guess that we're probably going to pay someone to do it. I mean, I, I don't I don't I don't get the, the outrage. Because it's,
1: it's expected. It was the most expected story I've ever seen. Ashley, what did you think about this one?
2: I yield my time. Yeah, I'm over it. I'm done. Ah, <laughs> I'm real feisty today. I just you don't want me to get into this. This it won't be rapid fire anymore.
1: All right, well, let's go with the shout outs. I can't wait to hear Ashley's go.
2: My wait, why you, you're leading with me?
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Mm. No. <laughs> I'm always shouting at you. <laughs> totally caught me off guard, but I would like to uh, give a shout out to my home post, uh, American Legion, Virginia, or Department of Virginia, American Legion, uh, Post 180 out in Vienna. Uh, I want to thank you guys. I know that my classes now conflict with me attending meetings, and I appreciate all of you. But thank you for everything you guys have been doing.
3: Very sweet. Oh, now I feel bad. I do. I, I almost do if I had feelings.
2: <laughs> you don't. Continue.
3: <laughs> Jeff, what do you got? Oh, I got a twofer real quick. I just wanted to say if anybody in the in the Legion universe is participating in the 100 Miles of Hope, which is talked about in a different episode of the show, so I won't go into it too deeply. But our super producer, Holly, designed those shirts. And I'm not gonna lie, they don't suck. I love (laughs) the design, so thank Holly for doing that. Uh, My second one is to my friend and fellow Post 43, Legion. oh, there's the shirt. If you're looking, I'm sure Holly will put a picture of it in the post somehow, or tell you uh, how to get one for yourself. Oh, wait, that wasn't an ad spot. Uh, Shout out number two is to a specialist, Simone Lara. She just finished the six months of Din Folks.
2: Yay, congrats.
3: You didn't have anything to say in your time. (laughs) Just gonna, just gonna. Because
2: I know her. I know her. Don't even.
3: As soon as I open my mouth, (laughs) Ashley's voice comes out.
2: Carry on.
1: (laughs) like jeff is ashley's puppet <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so,
3: and she did six months of info's during a pandemic wow. so she had to stay on base almost the whole time but she, and she left with a couple of goodies she got the oh, she got awarded the joint service achievement medal for coordinating uh masks for everybody and uh, some members at post 43 had some suppliers and they were able to help her get that done she also finished with the distinguished honor graduate award from there so i just want to give a shout out to uh specialist soon to be sergeant simone Lara. can you say that can you preempt a promotion or is it like tampering in sports
2: that's speaking it into existence so it's gonna happen that's how i see that congratulations that's awesome dimfos for viewer for listeners like that's a tough school. Like a lot of writing, a lot of critical thinking. There's a lot of. Ugh, I wasn't smart enough to go to dinfos So.
3: I was a marine. I didn't I'm know. Re- it was a
2: thing. I didn't, didn't even, know it was a thing.
3: You can't even spell
1: dinfos <laughs>
2: Congratulations.
1: My uh, my shout out today is going to be to uh, all the men and women uh, of the Old Guard, uh, Arlington Cemetery. It was two years ago today that uh, I buried my best friend out in Arlington Cemetery, John Lilia. He was a he was a, a mentor to me. I even uh, named my son after him. But it was two years ago today we buried him, and I like to think uh, he, he's buried on a little hill overlooking the Pentagon. I really hope that as we're doing this and as we go into the future that he's haunting every single room in the Pentagon because I know he hated that building nearly as much as I do. So I just want to do a shout out to all you guys, all you men, all you women, everyone who works at Arlington National Cemetery. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for, for respecting all of our friends and taking care of them into the, uh, into the everlasting. And with that, we'll say goodbye. Guys, thank you for joining me again. I will probably see you again in about five minutes. So, the rest of you will see you next week. Bye.